Amen. Thank you so much for that beautiful selection. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He left nothing outside of his control. You know, last Thursday I had the opportunity, well, let's say I was blessed last Thursday after I received a text message from my wife stating that she had got called to a last minute band meeting. And I had on my calendar to be here at St. Luke's to participate in the fundraising after five. So I was left with a question or with a challenge, should I take my daughter with me or should I let my daughter go with my wife? And I was leaning more towards letting her go with my wife. But as a husband and a partner, I, I decided to bring her with me. And you know, as we were out on the lawn and she saw the bouncy house and all she can do was scream, let's play, let's play, let's play. And she would run from the bouncy house to, um, to the field where there was a movie playing. She would jump in the chair. You would ask if she wanted lemonade. She would say, no, I want water. You would ask her if she wanted water. She would say, no, I want lemonade. <laughs> let's just say daddy had a time on his hands. And I pulled her to the side like, you know, a daddy would do his child. And I looked in her eyes and I said, hey, now you're going to go over to this bouncy house. And that's that. Now who's in charge? She looked at me with a grin, big smile. Me, daddy. <laughs> Who's in charge? You know, the Bible tells us that God made men and women and put us in charge of his creation. It's in a book of Genesis that says that God told us to fill the earth and to do it and have dominion over all the animals on the planet. You know, the author is quoting Psalm 8 here in our Hebrews uh, text today. He says that God has crowned humans with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under their feet. God has made us caretakers of his creation and has given us the freedom and wisdom to care for his works. In other words, God created us to be in charge. Now somebody passed that note to my daughter. Now, this does not mean that we were created to be, however, in control. To have charge over something means to take on it on the behalf of someone else. It doesn't mean to have total ownership of something. For an example, a babysitter can be, be in charge of someone else's kid for a while, but it doesn't make him or her a parent. Babysitters still has to do 
what the parents asked them to do. When you're in charge of something, you hold your hands out with this type of posture. It's a posture of receiving and a posture of giving. But when you're trying to control something, your fists are clapped together. Like Adam and Eve, when they took hold of the fruit, they were trying to control their own destiny. When they reached out and ate the forbidden fruit, they believed that they can turn themselves into gods. They were out of control. Sin has corrupted this creation, this created desire that we are to be in charge so that now think sometimes for the purpose of our lives that we gain control, as much control as possible for ourselves. You know, many of us spend the healthier day, years of our lives just trying to do that. We're trying to control our life. During our earlier years, we're trying to gain control of our bodies and, and trying to uh, uh, gain control of our ability to communicate. Then after our child, childhood and adolescence, we try to win control as, we can, as much control as we can from our parents and gain control of ourselves. Then pretty soon, we can try to control ourselves through our education, through our work, perhaps that gain control over our children. Lost that one. <laughs> and all of this is contributed to the illusion that we are in control. Now, sooner or later, events happen in our lives that lets us know that we are not in control. I mean, you can control how well you do on your job, but you cannot control whether or not you keep your job. You can control how much you eat and how well you exercise, but you cannot control whether or not you get cancer or survive it. Of course, no matter how much we're able to get ourselves during uh, the healthy years, at some point, we will start to lose control. You know, our created purpose was never to control everything, but it was just simply to be charge over it. God put everything in subjection under our feet, not so that we could become tyrants, but so that we can finish the rest of Psalm 8, which ends by saying, Oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 does not end with us in control. It ends with us worshiping God and acknowledging that everything in our charge, our home, our work, our family, our money, all of it from the very beginning are simply gifts from God. And we're called to nurture that, those gifts and to take care of those gifts. And if you spend your whole life trying to control those gifts, you'll miss out on your God-created purpose. That even losing control, but when you determine or when you look from the eyes of Christ, that you will determine that losing control 
of these gifts or losing control is an act of worship and thanksgiving. Now it's interesting that the author Hebrew interprets Psalm 8 so that he refers to Jesus instead of us. Jesus has been crowned with the crown of glory and honor and God the Father has put everything under his subjection and under his feet. So ye may so so you see we may have been created to charge to be in charge to take care of God's creation. But it was Christ's creation that we were given to be in charge over. But sin got in our way, in our lives, and we have not lived up to our God-given purpose. So Jesus had to come to fulfill the purpose for us. Jesus is the only human that lived up to humanity's purpose and potential, but Jesus is not in charge over what God has made us. Our text says it, our text says nothing, absolutely nothing is outside of the control of God. That Jesus is in charge and he's in control, which is the message that our writer was trying to relay to those who were listening. You know, the early converts, the early Christians were being heavily persecuted. They believed, they saw, they saw miracles and they believed in the Christ in which the apostles spoke of. But they were waiting for the Christ to come and the Christ has yet to come. They were mocked. They were ostracized. Some were martyred. And yet, they started to lose faith. That that one once bright light had become dim. They started to lose control. And the author tells us that when we give our control over to Jesus, we see our lives through Christ. But you know, we claim that, the tr- that it's true that we don't see, but we don't see that way yet. That we still look at this world and we don't see, it seems as if Jesus is not in control at all. I mean, when you turn on the news and you look at the atrocities around the world and the political corruption and the self-hate and all the things that are going on. We ask ourselves, who are in control? Who's in control? Sometimes, again, it seems like Jesus is not in control. And we're waiting, just like those who are listening to this letter in Hebrew. We're waiting, waiting on Christ. So what do we do? The author tells us that we should see right now Jesus crowned with his glory. That we see our risen Savior sitting 
at the right hand of God the Father. That we see him in his rightful place as King of kings and Lord of lords. What's really striking is that Jesus did not receive his crown of glory because he was the son of God. He did not receive his crown of glory because he lived a sinless life or that he was because he was fully divine. Although all those things are true. But what he tells us in Hebrew is that Jesus received his crown of glory because of his suffering and his death. The author of Philippians says that Jesus humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And therefore, God has exalted him and gave him the name that's above all names. And it was all because of his suffering. And we get to look at Jesus. And we look at our suffering. And we get to understand that within Jesus, that our suffering that with God, God is able to transform our suffering into something wonderful. That God, through Jesus, is in control. That is in Jesus, he can do it. We can do it. That is in Jesus that all things are made new. Who's in control? as we walk this walk of life. Christ is in control. And as the saints made their way through their lives, being faithful to a faithful God, we're challenged today to be faithful, to yield our control to the control of Christ. So that within his suffering and within our suffering, we get to see God do something amazing and miraculous in our lives. It's in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.